What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. So are you there yet? John chapter 16. All right, I gave you a little bit of time. I'm going to read starting in verse 5. It says, but now, this is again, Jesus is speaking here. It says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking why I, where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. You know, I, I probably would have too. I'd be like, wait, what? You're going away? I don't, that's not what we, I thought we had arranged, Jesus. I thought you were hanging around. He says, but in fact, it is best for you, listen to this. It is best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, another word for the Holy Spirit, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And the world's sin is that it refused to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged, speaking of Satan. There is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You can almost kind of feel his heart as he's saying that. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, and he will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So Father, we just pray in the moments that we have together today, First of all, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit. And we ask today, Father, for every single one of us, whether we're here in person, whether we're watching online, we ask, Father, for you to help us. Help us to open up our hearts, regardless of where we are on the journey of faith, whether we've been following you for years, whether we're new to it, or whether we're still not sure about this thing yet. Father, I pray today that you would uh, open up our hearts, that you would open up our ears. We want to hear. We want to receive. We want to grow. We want to understand. So, Father, would you help that happen today as we dive into your word and we would receive everything that you have for us in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. The title of my message today, just kind of get right to it, is Send It. Turn to somebody next to you, say send it. Turn to somebody else that you chose second, say send it. It's okay. I know you love everybody equally. It's okay. All right, so I've got to be honest with you. Um, I am, and I hope, I hope, Nobody gets up and walks out of church because of this or turns off our YouTube channel. But I have to, have to confess, I am the type of person that finds humor in watching other people do dumb things and get hurt. Not hurt really bad, all right? So easy, you know, don't sit back down. No, joke. not like really hurt. Just hurt enough to where you know their great chance they're going to be fine. But you got to watch it, and you're like, that was dumb, and it was hilarious. Okay, that, that is something now you know about me that maybe you didn't know before. And so I also may or may not follow a handful of social media platforms that are only about the videos of people sending it and paying for it in the process. Anyway, so I know none of y'all probably do that because you're so much holier 
and me and love people and you have such care for people that you can't stand to see people in pain. And there may have been one or two times where my wife has um, had instances down falling downstairs where, um, where it was funny. And I'm, I made sure she was okay, but it still left. And um, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Okay, let's just get it. But here's the thing. Like when you watch some of those videos, occasionally in the background, not the person who's about to get hurt, but somebody who's with the person who's about to get hurt, you will hear somebody shout, send it. Okay, if you have a friend who is the send it friend, they are not your friend. (laughs) Especially in these situations, they are the one who is actually holding the phone that is recording the footage that is about to go viral. (laughs) You know, the send it friend is not always the great friend. If they were, they would be the one sending it, not the one telling you to do something that you uh, are thinking in the moment is questionable that you should or shouldn't be doing. So, but if you, if you right now, if you're finding yourself in a generational gap of understanding what in the world do you mean when you say send it, send it is a phrase that gets used by the kids these days to basically say, don't think about it, just go. Don't even think about it, go. Should I jump off of this cliff into this water below that looks pretty shallow? Send it. I'm on my bike. This hill looks like I shouldn't do what I'm about to do. The friend with the phone says, send it. So that's what we're going to get into today. Not doing dumb stuff to get hurt, but understanding that in our life, okay, a little transition, seamless transition right here. In our life, there are moments that will define us depending on whether we send it or whether we don't send it. And I think even in the context of our relationship with God, There are things that God desires us to send, and sometimes because of fear, because of doubt, because of whatever it may be, we find ourselves holding back. I think on our uh, our worst day, we love ourselves. Some people, more than others, really love themselves. But here's the thing we got to understand about our Father, is that as much as we may love ourselves, God loves us even more. And the plans that he has for us, the things that he desires us to do and to be a part of, the the challenges, the things where we feel like I'm about to step out on water and this doesn't make sense, but I'm gonna trust God with that. These are the areas where God's plans for us are so much better than any plans that we could come up for ourselves. And he's gonna take care of us. He's gonna take care of us. God is not gonna be the crazy friend yelling, send it while you go and damage yourself. God is the one who, when you are too afraid to step into what he created you for, he's going to say, send it. But here's the thing. We're not doing it on our own strength. God has a promise that he has delivered to his people, and that's what we're going to be getting into today. I think the tension that we can live in is that, is that our desires can at times be at odds with the desires that God has. And if we can really get ourselves to a place of trust in who God is, we won't hold back when we know that we've stepped into something that is a desire God has for us. Even if it seems impossible, even if it seems like it doesn't add up or it doesn't make sense or I don't think I have what it takes to do this thing that I believe God is asking me to do, God's got it covered. And he's never gonna ask you to do something that through him you can't do. That's the big one. That's the big point right there. So as we get into this a little bit more today, 
Um, there's something I, w- I want us to understand. I kind of I need to I need to kind of paint some framework before we get into into what Jesus is speaking in this particular context. So, at, at Convo Church, at this church right here, something you need to know about us if you are a guest or watching online, or maybe you've been coming for a while, um, you need to know that the culture of our church is so important. The culture, like, okay, what does that mean by culture? Okay, for this is a really simple example, but. In your home, your home might be a shoes off at the door type of house. Anybody got a shoes off? At, and how many like, I don't care, shoes on, shoes off, just come home, you know? And that, that is a culture point. Like that's the culture of your home. Culture, let me define it a little bit better. Culture is the environment that you create. And for our church specifically, it's the mix of our churches, our leadership, our values, our traditions, our beliefs, our interactions, our behaviors, and our attitudes that actually create the proper environment to accomplish our vision or to accomplish our mission. Like that might sound complex when you apply it to your family, but it's the same thing. Like the way that you grew up will impact the way that you exist as a spouse in a marriage. The way that you were raised will impact the way that you want to raise or not to raise your children. The things that you did at the dinner table or didn't do at the dinner table will impact how you do those things as you grow up as an adult. That's culture. And so when we look at the culture of our church, we can have, we can paint our mission statement and vision all over the place. Just because it's talked about, just because it's present, just because it's there doesn't mean it's going to be accomplished if the culture that is in our church isn't healthy enough to sustain what we've been called to do. So here's the thing. So, so if you go through Engage, you get to hear all that stuff. Shameless plug for Engage. Um, but we, we go into depth on that particular element because we actually believe our culture is much more important than even our vision. Because our culture is going to be the very thing that creates the atmosphere so we can do the things that God's called us to do. So, so for, I'm going to give you just kind of an intro to that. This is kind of a teaser for the Convo culture when you go into Engage. But our first and our most important Convo culture point is this. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. If you want to know what type of church is this, what do you guys do, what do you guys believe, this statement right here is not just a statement. It's not, something, it's not just some Christian thing that we should say, which we should. But it's a real thing. Jesus is our message. And so that means that we are focused on pointing people to Jesus and keeping our eyes and focus on his kingdom. Not on the peripheral of what's happening around us, not the things that could easily distract us in our own life, in the media, and in whatever else we can identify. I mean, let's be, let's be real right now. Things are crazy. Things are hard. Things are challenging. We are not lacking for moments, even within our own nation, let alone the whole world, to have division, to have arguments, to have fights, to have opinions, and to have opinions about opinions. And it's just the domino effect of the opinions, right? We're not at a shortage for that. But what happens when we as a church really get real about the fact that Jesus is our message, that's not just some Christian thing that we can say so that we can ignore what's happening in the world. Like, oh, I, I don't even hear about that. I just, I'm just focused on Jesus. Because if you are focused on Jesus, it doesn't close you in. It actually opens you up. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, it actually takes our focus and it puts it on him to recenter us in the focus that we should have as his followers. See, what happens when we begin to get our eyes off of the fact that Jesus is our message, everybody's going to have a message. As a matter of fact, it is impossible for you to not have a message. 
because your message is gonna be the thing that you are most loud about in your life. And we so desperately and passionately, and I'm gonna tell you right up front, not even perfectly, we're not perfect at this, but it is our heart and passion and we always come back to it. Jesus is our message. And so therefore, when we look at the things that are happening in our nation, in our communities, in our families, in our world, in our politics right now, we are going to say and then we're gonna walk out this whole Jesus is our message. Because if we believe that Jesus really is the answer that the problems of our world need, then it's not gonna be a distraction, it's gonna be a solution. And the church needs to become a solution. Man, y'all awake, y'all alive, y'all pondering, you're just like, yeah, let me think about that for a minute. Jesus is our message. <clears throat> the true message of Jesus, here's, here's the thing, this is why it's so important. The true message of Jesus is going to, if we embrace it, is going to disciple us with beliefs, with values, and with convictions that are shaped not by popular, popular opinion, not gonna be shaped by uh, a narrative in our culture that is not focused on Jesus. It's not gonna be focused, it's not gonna be uh, uh, created and put together because of political bias. It's not, it's gonna be beliefs, values, convictions that are actually put together, shaped by the kingdom of God. And those are gonna be the things that shape the way that we view the world around us. And so I, when I talk to people, I talk about like a biblical worldview. That means that it's when you see the world around you and you see the issues and the good things and you see the challenges and you see the needs, you actually see it through the view and the lens of the word of God. When we don't do that, just kind of like I said, everyone's got a message. You can either be intentional about Jesus being your message or you can let somebody else create the narrative of what your message is gonna be about. If we are intentional about that, we will also be intentional about how, intentional about how we develop that view. There's plenty of Jesus out there right now that doesn't look anything like the Jesus in here. Plenty of it. And, uh, and that's not what we're going to be about. I think the Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus that is going to cross um, economic lines. It's going to cross racial barriers. It's going to cross international waters. It's going to cross generations. It's going to cross history. And it's also going to cross the divide of our future. And so as we begin to continue to develop that and walk in that and dedicate ourselves to realizing that we are imperfect, and we live in an imperfect world. Therefore, if we, if we continue to rely on the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that is being fed by our imperfection, then we will continue to produce a broken product in our world. And churches that embrace that type of thinking will continue to make broken disciples. That's a problem. That's a problem. Now, let me balance that by saying, so if you're looking for a perfect church that's never gonna make any mistakes in that area, and we're all screwed because that just doesn't exist. Sorry. That's why we go back here. I feel like that was the longest intro ever just to say, we believe this. We trust this. Jesus is our message. It comes from here. So here's the thing. I want us to understand when we think of Jesus. Because Jesus is a part of the God equation. If it, to not get into, I mean, we're already in Bible college mode right now, but if, to not get into too much of that right now, we understand, and part of the, the belief system and the theology of Christianity is that there is, there is one God, and our God is made up of three manifestations, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity of God. So Jesus was not a late addition to the team 
2,000 years ago, right? No, the Bible actually teaches us that Jesus has always been. He has not always been in human form, but he has always been. And so just to prove it, I want to lay out just a couple of scriptures here to kind of lay this foundation so it's not just you taking my word for it. In the, in the same book that we just read, John chapter 16, you go to the very first chapter, um, the, the Apostle John uh, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he was writing about Jesus and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus being the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you ever pick up a translation that says, and the Word was a God, you have the wrong one, and I encourage you to find a different translation. Because Jesus was not a God who became a God through his good works. He was God from the beginning. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I lost my place. Oh, God created everything through him, Jesus, and nothing was created except through him, Jesus. All right, now Paul later also kind of backs it up in another scripture. There's multiples, but these are the two that I hit. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says in the book of Philippians, also a New Testament book, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, speaking of Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, speaking of his existence in heaven. Speaking of his existence as the Son of God in heaven, part of the Trinity from the beginning of time, he did not, or he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. So he, in order to give up something to become human, he had to be something before he was human. It's okay, we're kind of talking a little, little logical. I don't know if this is not deep Holy Spirit yet, but we're about to get there, okay? But here's the thing, here's the kicker. Jesus is our message. It's all about Jesus, but listen. The message of Jesus without the message of the Holy Spirit is only a partial view of Jesus. That's, that's huge. That's a big deal. Like if, you don't, if we don't understand this, and if we don't walk this out, we are diminishing the power and the reality of who Jesus really is. So let me, let me say it one more time. The message of Jesus without the message of his Holy Spirit is only a partial view of Jesus. All right, so let me, all right, let me, I feel like I'm in like, uh, like apologetics mode defending stuff today. So religious people, and I hate general statements, I hate general tags that we would put on, on individuals or groups or whatever, but just hear me out on this. Religious individuals, and when I say religious, I don't mean Christian believers. I mean people that, people that through their own works and efforts are trying to work their way towards God, towards heaven. That could be within Christianity. It could be any other religion. But religious people get into a lot of trouble when we try to create a reality of Jesus without the reality and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. We, we just get, in, we get into a whole lot of trouble because here's the thing. It's the Holy Spirit that actually gives us the supernatural power to be what Jesus says that we can be when we're born again in him. If we leave out the element of the Holy Spirit from a Jesus encounter, we're saying, Jesus, thank you for the cross. I appreciate that and I appreciate the forgiveness. Now I'll take it from here and I'll walk it out myself. And when we do that, we have now walked away from the grace of God because we have walked into the broken, uh, air quotes, power that we have within ourselves, which is not power at all. So I want to read, uh, let me read this to you. This is in 2 Timothy. Give me a lot of scripture today. Is that okay? What a dumb question. We're in church. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
A couple of verses here, and this is a letter that uh, in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote to one of his sons in the faith, Timothy. And sometimes, you, like, Scripture is timeless. You need to know this. That's why, uh, uh, that's why uh, you know, an ancient book that was written uh, over the course of 1,500 years with 40-plus different authors in multiple languages can have such unified, um, uh, different words, not in my brain, togetherness from Genesis to Revelation. It's because God spoke and inspired the words that were written to give us a picture of what his kingdom is about. And the center focus of this entire thing is Jesus Christ. And so, but sometimes, so it's always, it's always relevant. Like God's word is always relevant in our life. But sometimes you read something and you're like, was that, was that written like yesterday? Is this a press, like a new press release? Straight from the throne room of God. And that's what it felt like when I read this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul says this to Timothy. He said, you, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And just for context, the world has always had difficult times. We're not like, finally, we're in difficult times. No, people have known difficult times. But, but listen to these next, these next few verses. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. I've always found that interesting that that gets grouped into what's, sometimes I thought of it, it was like, it's kind of funny. And that's right, I'm going to ground my kids just, just to remind them, you know. It's in the, anyway, no. But it's still, in the, as, far as, as far as the bigger context, to understand, like, this was something that was important. This was actually a sign of a broken culture. They will be, dis, uh, where, where am I, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. It's crazy. It's like, I feel like that's a descriptor right now, like of our culture. When we just look at it, this describes so much of what's going on. But here's the kicker in verse 5. And this is where it's important for us to make sure that when we read Scripture, we're understanding the right context. You can't just make up your context as you read Scripture. Like, I'm going to apply this to here. I'm going to apply that to there. No, what did it really mean? So in verse 5, it says, They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now here's the important context of that very last line. Because so much, if it's not taught properly, the natural understanding would be, because I know some of y'all might be, already be thinking, like, I already know of people like that. Yep, they're all the ones I disagree with. You know, they're all the ones who think a different way or do a different, you know, it's, no, but this, this is actually, Paul is speaking to Timothy about people in the church. This wasn't about people in the world. This is people that are in the church, people who, are, who, who call themselves Christians. And, and I'm not going to get to say that people who call themselves Christians automatically become uh, perfect, holy people, because that's actually not the case. Sometimes when I talk to people about and invite them to church, they're like, I don't know about all that. I don't know. I don't know if I want to come. I've, I've had bad experiences with Christians who are hypocrites. And, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's all of us. And if it's the right moment, I'll even throw in there, hey, there's room for one more. You know, because the reality is in our life, when it comes to what we say and what we do, we all have moments of, of being a hypocrite. 
So just because someone's a Christian or says yes to Jesus doesn't mean that overnight they just become this, this beautiful, magical human that just never does anything wrong and they exude the, the love and the grace of Jesus everywhere they go. No, no, we are broken people and, and we are saved instantly, but then we have our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts. And we might go to bed thinking about Jesus tonight, but you might wake up tomorrow thinking about uh, something else and not feeling as saved as you were yesterday. You still are, but guess what? You gotta deal with your soul. And so sometimes in the Christian world, if we don't keep Jesus as our message, we will allow other things to replace him. And when we allow other things to replace the message of Jesus, yet we still stand under the banner of Jesus, we begin to portray a picture to the world that is not in agreement with who Jesus actually is. That's when the world begins to look at the church and says, I'm good. I don't want to have anything. If that's what this is, I don't want anything to do with that. And so, yeah, we got some work to do. We got some damage control. And that's okay, but that's grace because every one of us lives in the reality of God's damage control in our own life. It's his love and his grace, that transformation, that sanctification process of us slowly, day by day, becoming more of who God says we are and walking away from who we used to be. But we have to understand that when, when Paul's telling Timothy, stay away from people like that, he's actually not talking about staying away from people who don't know God. Well, then, because our job is pretty simple, right? Within the church, what's our job? Our job is to make sure people know God. Our job is to share the good news, to let people who don't have hope know that they can have hope. Who he's telling you not to go to Starbucks with are people that call themselves Christians, but they fit all these descriptions. You're like, wow. That, you know, that, I don't know if that's going to make things awkward in my crew or not. No, it's, it's okay. But, but the reality is if you find yourself rolling with a group of people who are betraying their friends, they're reckless, they're puffed up with pride, they love pleasure rather than God, they act religious but they deny the power, man, stay away from them because they're going some, in one direction claiming to be a part of who God is. Meanwhile, they're rejecting God with their lifestyle. And that's hard. But that's reality because in the world, you never, you know, only God can judge me. That's a great t-shirt. I wouldn't suggest going with that slogan because that's probably too late when it gets to that point. But here's the deal. I want to correct, I want to correct something that I've heard people say in the church world who are Christians. I say, no, you can't judge me. Actually, the Bible tells us in the church to judge each other. Not judge in the context of just being a jerk to somebody, but judge, meaning evaluate, be like, be like Ricky. The path that you're headed, bro, man, I love you so much, but you can't keep going in that direction. This is just an example. Ricky's doing great. <laughs> but he just happened to be right here, and so Ricky got picked on. You know, that's, that's, that's what it means by let's judge one another. Like if I'm up here saying one thing, and then I go out, and Ricky's seeing me posting something on social media that's, that's opposite of what we're talking about here, then Ricky should be hitting me up and saying, Pastor Craig, hey, hey, um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're on point with that. You know, I think, and call it out. Like, that's, we're, we're brothers and sisters in this whole thing. So that's what it means to judge each other within the church. Somebody who's outside of it, they're not living according to the standard that we, so we shouldn't be expecting them to. So don't treat people outside the kingdom of God as if they should be walking as Jesus followers, because they're not. Have love and have grace, have kindness. Be kind to them because it is just like God's kindness brought us to repentance and brought us to transformation. God's kindness brought us into a relationship with God. Our kindness is going to help those who don't know God yet. But when we go out and act like a bunch of religious idiots who are just jerks to people that we disagree with, man, how in the world are they going to see Jesus through us? We got we to work on this church. 
And I can't, I can't deal with any of the other groups in the other places, but we can try to set this straight in our church and say, Convo Church is going to be a place, let's go back to it, where Jesus is our message. All right, where am I? The message of Jesus without the Holy Spirit will make you religious, but it will reject the power that can make you godly. Some people think that godliness is, a, is, a, is how you choose to live. Like, I'm godly if I stop saying bad words. I'm godly if I read the Bible for at least 30 minutes a day. I'm godly if I remember to pray occasionally. I'm godly if I come to church. No, godliness is not the product of what you do. Godliness is the product of what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you. That's, that's a massive difference. That's a massive difference because when godliness is produced through the Holy Spirit in you, that's God's work. But when you take it over from God, you're like, thanks for the salvation, thanks for the fire insurance, thanks for making sure I don't go to hell, but I'll take it from here. I, I, I got it. I, I know what to do now. I, all I have to do now is be a good person. The only, the only problem with that is that you're still broken. And I still have broke, we all still have brokenness. And so if we take the reins, instead of letting Jesus take the wheel, come on, uh, now we're like, okay, thank you, I on cruise control, I'll take it from here. We're going in the ditch. Because we still, on our own, don't have the strength and the ability and the knowledge and the supernatural power that it takes to make the right decisions that reflect the heart and the nature of God. That's why Jesus told his disciples who wanted him, the disciples wanted Jesus to be with them forever, like in person. They wanted the one-on-one Jesus. They didn't want the group Jesus. <laughs> they didn't want to share. But he, that's why he said, it's actually going to be better for you if I go. Because if I don't go, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the encourager, the friend is not going to be able to come and be in you and with you. Jesus realized that there was limitation to his humanity. And he couldn't be everywhere at one time. But he knew that if he went back to the Father, he'd be able to send his spirit. And his spirit would be not just with us at all times, but in us at all times. And I'm telling you, something's going to change even today. I feel it in my heart so strongly. Something's going to change in your life when you find the revelation and the realization that you no longer have to live according to your own strength. But that you can begin to tap supernaturally into the very power of God that gives you the supernatural power, not just to be saved, but now to live saved. And not just live saved, but you start living called. Because salvation is when the gun goes off and you start, but your calling and your purpose is how you walk it out. Let's go. Somebody say send it. I know it was perfect timing. I was waiting for somebody to do that. <clears throat> Godliness is not produced. I'm just going to, this is kind of repetitive, but I feel like this has to be hammered home. Godliness is not produced by your good deeds and good living. Godliness is produced through the power of the Holy Spirit. When God is at work in your life, a godly life is going to be the fruit. That doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. There's, we're still in the world. Like, we're still here. We still have sun up, sun down. We still have interaction with other humans. And that really plays into it a lot. <laughs> it's like, as long as we didn't have to deal with people. I love this one proverb that says that, um, um, oh, I'm going to botch it. But you're going to get a paraphrased version. And then you can look it up on later on my online people. But this proverb that paints this picture of, hey, if you, if you want a clean stable, 
that don't have any oxen in, in the stable. But if you want to get work done, you're going to need some oxen. And it's going to be dirty. So you can look it up later. That's a good paraphrase, but it's pretty accurate. But it's kind of the same thing, like, man, this world would be so much better if it just wasn't for the people. But God's like, there's a reason why I chose to work through people. God said, there's a reason why I created people. God could have stopped with the trees and the animals and the water and the nature, but he didn't. He, he created that out of his creativity, but he created humankind. He created man out of his image. Like, you and I get to be his image bearers. And that's not just some weird thing that goes back to Genesis. That actually is inside of us right now. Because now not only has the image of God been redeemed by the work of Jesus on the cross, now the image of God has been restored to, his, to those who have called on the name of Jesus because we now have the power to represent him to the world around us. It's almost like a full cycle back to God's original intent for man and woman is that we would be the direct image bearers of God. Guess what? If they don't see the image of God inside of us, they won't see it. God's, God chose to use people. And I, and I love it too because God's even bigger than that. I mean, it's, I love hearing the testimonies from people that they've, they've never seen it modeled, they've never heard about it, but for some reason through God's love and his grace, he still reveals himself to people. But there is a big reason why God chose to use the church and chose to use people. Mm. But this is why Jesus didn't hang around forever in the flesh. Because he knew something that we didn't know. And I'm telling you, whether it's for your own individual life, whether it's for your marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's your career, whatever it may be, if, if we can tap into this reality of the power of the Holy Spirit and we begin to live it out, man, we're going to see something happen. Our nation and our world is primed for revival. And when we use that word revival, this is what we mean, is that there's going to be a fresh move where the world that doesn't know Jesus is going to come to know the reality of who he is. And it's not gonna be because God appears in the sky. It's gonna be because his spirit begins to become visible through his people. And that's something that I pray for as a church that we will embrace and that we will challenge ourselves to, and we'll hold each other accountable to. Like, let's make sure that Jesus is our message before we hit send, before we send it on social media, before we send it when we're talking to people that don't know God, before we send it and give somebody a piece of our mind that we'll pause for a second and say, is what I'm about to send something that is going to prove that Jesus is my message? Is what I'm about to send gonna be something that if it gets received, is gonna point people to Jesus? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you over the last year, year and a half, how many posts I did not send. And honestly, some that I wish I had not. Can I be honest? None of y'all have ever dealt with this, I realize that. This is just me. just pause and say, Holy Spirit, is what I'm about what you're about? Is what I'm allowing myself to become so vocal about in this season of time, is it what, what you're about? Am I allowing a different picture of what the world around us has said Jesus is dictate how I'm demonstrating who you are? Or am I, am I allowing your word and your spirit 
to shine through me as I become a mouthpiece for you, for you, Jesus. As I'm telling you how important this is, we, we can't just skip through this. We can't be Jesus followers who get caught up in, in passionate arguments because there are valid arguments and points on multiple sides and choosing sides and opinions and who's right and wrong and what's hate and what's not. We can't get caught up in, in the arguments that our world is putting together. We have to realize, we have to make sure that what we are speaking and what we are saying is connected to the heart of God. We have to. And in, when in doubt, just hold back. Because I think God can do more through us. I'm sure I wanna say that. Yeah. Sometimes our silence can speak so much louder than when we try to say something ourselves. Because God is capable, not just of defending himself. God doesn't have to defend himself. He doesn't need to. But God is so capable of showing himself in the moments where we're waiting for him to show up, but he's not doing it in our timing. So we feel like we need to kind of fill in for him. We don't need to fill in for God. We don't need to fill in. We need to let the Holy Spirit do work inside of us. We need to dedicate ourselves to knowing the word. We need to get ourselves embedded in community with people who are going to hold us accountable, who are going to help us to grow. Because here's the, here's the deal. Christian, you know, I hear this a lot, and I've, I've, Karen and I have been doing full-time ministry for almost two decades. And, and I've heard it so many times all across the country, people talking about, I need to be fed, I need to be fed, I need to be fed. Here's the deal. If we were to apply that to, to just people in general, the only people who cry out to be fed are babies and children. Our job, and I'm not saying as pastors, I'm talking about as all of us, are, is to desire growth and to desire spiritual maturity and to be in environments where the feeding will be assisted, but to take the responsibility of making sure that we know how to make ourselves a sandwich, that we know how to feed ourselves, that we know where to go, like we know what to do. We're all feeding ourselves anyway. It's just a matter of what you know that you're putting in yourself. Mm. The second half of this message is gonna be next week. You're gonna have to come back. And that wasn't on purpose, fully. Is that good? Is that? Send it. We did. Sent it. It's out there. It's been sent. Past tense. I want to pray for you. Um, again, um, I think as I started off, Jesus walked the earth for another 40 days after his resurrection. And, and I don't think he was on a vacation. I think he was hard at work. Even though he only showed up to his disciples a few times in those 40 days, I want, like, I want to know, like, what are you doing? Like, what was going on? And we'll, I guess we'll get to know one day. But once he did ascend back into heaven and take his place at the right hand of the Father, um, right before he left, he told his disciples something. He says, hey, I know you guys want to send it, since we're going to stick with that. I know you guys want to send it. You know, I told you to go into all the world and all that stuff. But before you go out and try to do my work, you're going to need my spirit. So go to Jerusalem, stay together, and wait. 
And you have to understand, they had, they had no context to this. They didn't know. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was gonna do, be, look like, feel like, what was gonna happen afterwards. All they knew is that Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. And you'll know. <laughs> and that's when you get to Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. And so when the Holy Spirit showed up, that was, that was Pentecost. And so there was 50 days between the resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, and we're gonna, not necessarily like week by week, letter of the law, follow every step, but, but I, can't, I can't tell you that when it comes to understanding who we are as a church, sometimes if you come from, um, from a church background, like, y'all, what are y'all, denominational? Y'all Pentecostal? What are y'all? Like, what, what's, what's your thing? And I always tell people, and I mean this with all my heart, because I was raised a certain way in a certain upbringing, but I just tell people, like, we just love Jesus. We're, we're Jesus people. But we, but we believe in the full power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in signs and wonders and miracles. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that they are not silenced, but they are at work today. And there are way too many miracles and crazy things happening all over the world uh, to ever disprove the fact that the Spirit of God is just as strong and at work and, at, and powerful through us as he was uh, thousands of years ago when he was poured out in Acts chapter two. We're gonna get there. But today I think it's important for us to recenter ourselves on the reality that the fact that God would even send us his spirit is one of the greatest demonstrations of his love. The greatest one is the cross. But the second one would be for him to send us his spirit. Are you kidding me? I don't deserve it. I don't know if any of you think you do. Like you do, yeah, I'm, I think I qualify. I think, yes, I think this is a great home for the spirit of God to live. I don't feel that way. I feel very underqualified and I don't feel good enough for God. I mean, this is God's spirit. It's not some religious thing. This isn't a, a, a memory verse of the week. This is the spirit of God that spoke our, our whole creation into existence. This is the same spirit that cried out and said, let there be light and boom, light. This is the same spirit that made Adam from dirt, breathed into his nose. That was awkward, but that's what he chose life. It's the same spirit that spoke to Lazarus in the tomb and said, come on out. And it's the same spirit that when he was in the ground, when he was behind the tomb, didn't have to wait for the stone to roll away to walk out of the tomb. But he allowed the stone to be rolled away so that we could see it. That's the spirit that God wants in you. And if you have said yes to Jesus, if you have received him as your Lord and your Savior, then you have already received the indwelling of that spirit within your spirit. But I'm here to tell you that there's more. There's more than just that. And uh, that's weeks to come. I gotta, I gotta stop. Sorry, I'm getting excited about it. But man, more than anything, man, I want y'all to be hungry for everything that God has for you. Don't, let's, let's, not, let's not limit it based on how we were raised in our understanding. Let's just open ourselves. Let's open ourselves. Because I guarantee you, I promise you this, that if you come before God and you with an open heart say, God, I want everything that you have for me, he's going to lead you because he wants you to have it so much more than you ever could. Is that good? God's a good father. He wants to give his kids good gifts. So I wanna pray for you right now. Will you do me a favor? Just stand up right where you are. Put your Bibles down. I'm gonna pray for you. And then I'll have Chantel come up. She'll help us with some next steps and we'll finish up for today. It's been a good day at church. I want you to do me a favor right now. Before you close your eyes, I want you to look around you 
And if you see an open chair around you, I want you to visualize somebody that you know, somebody who needs Jesus. And maybe somebody that does have Jesus, but they don't have people. They don't have community, they're not connected. This week, God's gonna give you divine appointments to be able to talk with people, to be able to invite people. It's never our job to make people come to church. It's our job to love people. But sometimes people, they don't know that they're welcome until they're invited. And that may seem really basic, maybe that doesn't seem super spiritual, but it will be the moment that you see them in an environment where they get to hear about how much God loves them. And you do begin to see the Holy Spirit work on them. And you see the tears in their eyes as they begin to encounter the love of God that they never knew existed. Let's begin to let that burn in our hearts. We're never about filling a room so that we can feel good about a full room. We're about creating space for people who need to know Jesus. And that's what we're gonna be about. Take your hand if you will, put on your heart if you're willing. And let's just open ourselves for a moment. Even right now, like automatically the Holy Spirit is speaking saying, right now I'm restoring somebody's trust issues with God. Somebody's here, you have trust issues with God. He wants you to know, number one, it's okay. And the second thing he wants you to know is that um, he's simply asking you to invite him in because the trust that was broken before wasn't broken by him, it was broken by man. God loves you so much, so much. And he wants you to know today that he is a safe place. God is a safe place. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. And we thank you that you love us so much that you would not abandon us to walk this thing out on our own. So I pray right now for every single one of us here online, those that will hear this in the future, I pray that you would, God, continue to soften our hearts, soften our hearts so that we can begin to receive you for who you are. You're not just a God of salvation. You're also a God of a full, fulfilled, abundant life. You didn't call us to just be saved for eternity, but to get through this hell of a life. You saved us so that you can empower us, so that we can see the fulfilled, the fulfillment of a life that you've created us to live. So God, as we walk out of here today, I pray that we would walk out with a sense of expectation that we are people of purpose, that we are people of power, that we are people who carry the hope and the grace and the love that we've already encountered. We carry that to the world around us. And as we send it this week, God, would we do so in a way that keeps you as the message in everything that we do? We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being there for us. Thank you for every single time we've, we've messed it up. You continue to draw us back to yourself. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.